0: Good afternoon, welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik. Today we are talking about hit injuries. Now when you hear that phrase, hit injury, many of you might think of the worst case scenario like the possibility of brain death. But hit injuries can actually range from mild to more severe injuries and there are other signs that you should uh, know to look out for in someone who has experienced a hit injury, including how might it affect someone's bodily functions as well as their uh, behaviors emotions uh, their cognitive functions uh, and even their personality so um, you know for people who are struggling with some of these after effects what does caring for that individual look like as well what are the things that caregivers need to know how to look out for I'll be discussing all this with my guest today, consultant neurosurgeon Dr. Gumit Singh from Subang Jaya Medical Center. Dr. Gumit, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: Very good. Thank
0: you. And, uh, for all of you listening, you can call us with your questions. The number to call is zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also WhatsApp us, a text message or a voice note on our U-Mobile number 0187898899 or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Dr. Grumet, um, I noticed you've brought a model of the skull and the brain and I think that will lead us nicely to my first question to set the stage. A, a, a bit of an anatomy, I guess. You know, when we talk about head injuries which part of the head exactly are you referring to what should we be concerned about the,
1: the, any part of the, the uh, head can get injured and lead to a lot of problems let's go, go outside in meaning from the scalp onwards uh, you can have a very bad scalp injury and you do not address it meaning do not stem the hemorrhage do not stop the bleeding you are liable to exsanguinate when I was working in Sarawak, we had lumberjack uh, patients who had accidents uh, at their camps, and then they are rushed to us in, in in Miri. So that at least will take two to four hours. Mm. Agreed, they will, they will apply some dressing on the head and, uh, uh, and 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 immediately put them on on their four wheel drives and drive them to us. Unfortunately, what they neglect to see. Uh, is realizes that that it's bleeding the scalp is bleeding so by the time you come to us your bp is already low the brains already deprived of oxygen hence although i say it's scalp but it's equally important mm. yep. next we go to the bone now the the skull has got the upper part the vault or the base the skull can get injured uh The resultant uh, effect will be uh, a clot can accumulate, so you get an extradural clot there. The other thing is the skull fractures and the spicules or the sharp edges penetrate uh, into the brain, causing bruising, laceration, injury there. and if uh, it's bad enough, then the base of the skull also gets affected. And whatever is sitting on the base of the skull, the pituitary, the, the, the seventh nerve, the eighth nerve, uh, those get affected.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And be- beyond that, then you have the coverings of the brain, the dura, the arachnoid, and the PR. Now, here is where I need to stop and, and, and highlight you where very, very commonly the doctors, when you go uh, the emergency department, they will be explaining to you. Uh, uh, any bleeding that happens above the the dura, uh, the dura is a leathery layer which gives us a good amount of protection to the brain. So anything above that, that's extradural. Anything below that, that's subdural in relation to the dura. Mm-hmm. Then you get the arachnoid. Uh, uh, anything below that, then the subarachnoid. So these are the common uh, injuries within the brain cavity. Of course, then you have got carotid blood vessels that also can get injured. You can get dissection. When you get dissection, the blood flow upwards into the brain gets affected. Then you are prone. You can get a, a, a stroke, a cervical injury. So there are a whole host of things that 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 is included in this uh, head injury.
0: And. The brain itself would be vulnerable uh, to injuries occurring in any of these layers, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. So you can get uh, contusions, you can get uh, subarachnoid hemorrhages, you can get uh, uh, you can get intraventricular hemorrhages,
0: uh, a yeah. whole host of things. So let's let's uh, u- uh, perhaps uh, use some simple terms as well. Contusion meaning uh, bruises, yep. uh, and hemorrhaging meaning bleeding, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, what Kinds of uh, injuries or trauma, or rather, um, incidents would lead to head injuries, and most commonly, what leads to head injuries in Malaysia? The most
1: common uh, cause for head injury in Malaysia will be our road traffic accidents. Of course, then you also get assaults, uh, 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 falls, rarely sports injuries. Mm-hmm. And I don't think so we have blast injuries or those war injuries and all that. No, those those uh, unlikely. Mm. That's only pro- we are unlikely. We are talking about civilian population here. So it's probably the uh, road traffic accidents, assaults and falls.
0: Yeah. How significant are road traffic accidents making up the, the head injuries? Uh,
1: uh, there's a study in 2011 from the National Trauma Database. Uh, that's about 80% of the injuries, uh, trauma... Uh, comes from the, is caused by road traffic accidents. Mm. And out of this, 64% result in head injuries. Very concerning here is the affected uh, population, uh, 15 to 24, uh, accounts for 34%. And out of this, the males are predominant, 87%.
0: I mean, if we look demographically, uh, motorcyclists are yep. probably the most yeah. vulnerable, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right.
1: You're right. And and these are where the, uh, the 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 young people going to back from work, uh, the most productive uh, uh, segment of the society, uh, uh, they are using this this mode of transport, mm. and. Uh, uh, another study in 2019 tells us that the uh, most of the accidents. This, this, uh, this is a study from uh, PDRM police Raja Malaysia, and that tells us that most of these studies, uh, most of these uh, accidents occur uh, in uh, Selangor, Johor, Wilayah Persekutuan. Uh, these are economic powerhouses in the in the in the nation where everybody congregates, everybody comes there to 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 find work, uh, economic power.
0: Yeah, highly urbanized, urbanized. centers. Um, as a neurosurgeon, um, how concerned are you about head injuries among all the issues that you tackle? I mean, you, uh, before uh, we started the show, you actually brought up this phrase that head injuries are the Cinderella of neurosurgery. And I found that very interesting and thought maybe you could share that with our listeners. The,
1: the bulk of the cases for us in, in, in day-to-day neurosurgery practice is, uh, is head injury. But because there are so many, uh, uh the communication with the with the doctors and the family uh probably uh, uh, leaves much to be desired we need the, the important thing is we need to educate the family that look you're going to take this this patient back home and what next uh, that's that I think that that is is, is, is uh, the the missing piece here.
0: Mm-hmm. So, we'll spend a bit of time talking about um, what next later on in the show. But I suppose, you know, uh, earlier I alluded to how there's a range when it comes to head injuries. Um, Not everything would lead to brain death. But how do you determine uh, the severity of a head injury and how much trauma there is to the brain, for instance? And that's what we're most concerned about, I presume.
1: Most commonly used is a scale uh, known as a Glasgow Coma Scale. So it's, it's from 3 to 15. The uh, 13 to 15 is mild head injury, followed by 12 to 9 is a moderate head injury, and then uh, 8 to 3 is severe head injury. Uh, I, you, you, you score the patient, but... It's not only based on this, there are are a lot of clues in the CT scan also. So you might be having GCS of uh, 13, uh, uh, 14, and somebody labels you as mild head injury. So there's a lot of relief, no? When you tell the family members that, oh, yeah, there's uh, uh, mild head injury and nothing much. But... uh, uh, what, 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 what the patient does not know there is there could be small, small hemorrhages uh, over that. But there's n- nothing for us to do. Uh, the blood will resolve by itself. But this over uh, time leads to clinical conditions like uh, cognitive issues, uh, sleep issues, uh, physical issues like, like uh, constant headaches, photophobia. Uh, y- you cannot tolerate loud noises. Mm like this.
0: Yeah. So, um, when somebody has experienced head injury, let's say, uh, due to road traffic accident being the most common case, let's, let's use that. It, it, what typically should it look like? Uh, they would be rushed to the hospital, um, I assume, uh, at the emergency department, what would happen and when do you as the neurosurgeon come in?
1: So, uh, let's start from the emergency department this scenario. uh, uh once you arrive, it depends on your on your on your GCS. Uh, either there's relief or there's great anxiety. So uh, if uh, your uh, the head injury is mild, then you are sent off to the HDU to be observed there. Uh, uh, if you are you are more critical, more ill, uh, then you either go to the ICU to be. Uh, the difference between ICU and HDU is ICU is one to one. The nurse is observing you very carefully. Uh, attention solely devoted to one patient, uh, and uh, uh, if you uh, you need surgery, then you go off to theatre, and then uh, eventually you still come back to ICU. While in ICU, then we commence our treatment depends depending on on, on what the pathology is, mm-hmm. and then from there, then you step down to HDU. Uh, where the, in, the observation is slightly less intense, uh, you're more stable. Uh, physio comes in. Uh, uh, we can start uh, moving you around. Of course, physio starts uh, uh, at from day one, actually. Physio starts from ICU, starts from HDU. But mm-hmm. here we can make you sit up in bed, uh, move you around, uh, things like that. And then you step down further to general ward. To the general ward. And then from uh, here again, the difference here is in general ward is for only observation. The the, the observation becomes less intense. Mm. Now we are more focused towards rehabilitation and sending you back home.
0: Yeah. And what happens when the patient is back home, right? As you said earlier. So let's go for a quick break. And when we come back, um, I want to revisit that um, spectrum of care that Dr. Gourmet briefly described and perhaps look at a few of those aspects, um, starting with how do you determine who would need surgery? What would a surgical procedure aimed to achieve for someone with a head injury. Today I'm talking to Dr Gurmit Singh, consultant neurosurgeon from Subang Jaya Medical Centre about head injuries and most importantly, um, the recovery and what happens after the patient is discharged from the hospital. You can call us at 0377332900. You can also WhatsApp us a message or a voice note on our U-Mobile number 0187898899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Stay tuned. Health and Living BFM 89.9. Good afternoon, welcome back to Health & Living with me, T Ik and my guest Dr Gurmit Singh, Consultant Neurosurgeon from Subang Jaya Medical Centre We're discussing head injuries today. If you have any questions for Dr Gurmit uh, about the topic we're discussing, you can call us at zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also WhatsApp us a text message or a voice note on our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio So, head injuries Injuries. we've talked about anatomically, we could be talking about injuries to the scalp, to the skull, um, to the layers uh, protecting the brain. And of course, injuries to the brain itself. And there are many consequences that we need to be aware of when it comes to a head injury. Because of course, we're talking about an organ that... Um, It's responsible for everything, all the processes um, that we need to live, as well as our cognitive functions, um, our physical abilities and our emotions as well. So earlier, Dr. Gourmet, you described um, if somebody were to come in um, after an accident, for instance, um, with possible head injury and uh, you'd be uh, putting them through assessing or rather at the emergency department they'd be using the scale to assess the severity uh, and then from there if surgery is needed and I want to stop there when would you uh, or rather how would you determine who would need surgery and Uh, 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 the injuries, as you described earlier, could be bruises, could even be fractures of the skull that penetrate into the brain. It could be bleeding and therefore the brain becomes, you know, uh, deprived of oxygen if if there's extreme bleeding. So, in all, there's so much for you to look Mm -hmm. at. Um, I would guess equally, surgery would look at each different injury and consider them differently. Am I right? Agreed. The
1: the end result for all these injuries will be increased pressure in the brain so the main focus here is to relieve this pressure so it either can come from an extra dural hemorrhage which is, which is above the, the dura or because the brain is injured by itself it swells up rapidly and shifts either to the right to the left whichever side it's injured more uh, uh, so that uh, it's what guides us, plus uh, your your Glasgow Coma Scale score. Mm-hmm. So putting that together, then we decide. Okay, then this this patient needs surgery, and uh, they're, uh, either you 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 operate you 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 uh, remove the clot if it's an extradural. Now the I let me highlight to you uh, the different. Uh, types of uh, injuries here and the impairment that they they can cause. The best, I mean, God forbid if you ever sustain a head injury, but the best one to have will be the extradural hemorrhage. Why? Because the injury is outside the brain. If if it's purely isolated extradural, then uh, the extradural is the best one to have. Why? We operate, remove the clot, put the bone flap back, and that's it. Within the next couple of days, you're ready to go home. Now, whilst uh, when talking about the the, the uh, subdural,s uh, the subarachnoids, and all that, that tells us the the uh, the injury or the force of injury here is is significant. Mm-hmm. It's normally the linear acceleration, deceleration, fancy words. But what happens is as you are travelling. Uh, at a certain momentum and then your head uh, collides, uh, hits into either the, C, the, the B pillar the pillars in your car the, the dashboard and uh, then you sustain this injury. So it tells me there's a lot of uh, a lot of force transmitted to the head. The other uh, findings in the CT scan which is important for me is the intraventricular hemorrhage or the particular hemorrhages. Here it tells me there's rotational injury where the nerve get uh, stretched and, and that is uh, nasty also. All this has bearing on, on, on the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that, that, that's, that, that's where all this picking up these clues is very, very important. The family wants to know, what's the prognosis? What do you think? What will happen to my child? What will happen to my spouse? So that we, we, we will pick this out and say. It also gives me an idea that uh, I also need to keep an eye out on the follow-up. Mm. I cannot discharge this patient uh, earlier. So, that way.
0: so you've mentioned CT scan. Will everyone who sustained the head injury need to go for a CT scan or similar sophisticated imaging?
1: Uh, when you come to emergency department at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning, I th- the most easiest thing to do, the fastest thing that we can get for you will be a CT scan. So commonly... Uh, CT scan is the first mode of uh, uh, investigation that we radiological investigation that we do, uh, but I must caution you again. Uh, One fourth of uh, patients, twenty five percent, will have normal CT scans. So again, uh, uh, if you ask me, which mode of investigation can see best what's happening inside? Then MRI is it.
0: But you wouldn't do an MRI for everyone who Not walks in the middle of
1: the night. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. But if you if you if you manifest symptoms, say one month, two months down the line, a lot of issues, then probably if if you if you if you want to get an MRI done, yes. It's also important when when we do, uh, uh, we write uh, reports for our, uh, uh, the lawyers ask us to write reports. And uh, I I normally get CT scans. Then you can see the bleeds, the scarring. MRI, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you get the bleeds. Then you get uh, a, a very clear picture. Uh, it's probably used uh, to get a uh, compensation in, in the court of law.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that's important. All
0: right. Um, so what kinds of symptoms would you advise patients and their family members to look out for? Like you said, um, a CT may not show everything. So what do they really need to be on alert for?
1: Uh, here, uh, I, I just highlight again that... Uh, Although I label a patient mild head injury, it's a bit of a misnomer. It gives you a false sense of security, right? You, you, when you, in the emergency department, you can see a relief on the family's face. Oh, thank God, there's nothing much to be done. But 15% of patients with mild TBI will have deficits one year down the line. So it is very, very important for us to continue our follow-up. I've seen patients who who feel good and then uh, 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 decline uh, follow-up or do not come to, to follow-up. So it's very, very important for us to pick up. Uh, in the initial part, you can, might have uh, symptoms of uh, headaches. Uh, um, you might have uh, nausea, vomiting. This is the initial, very acute, acute phase. Uh, dizziness, balance issues, uh, sensitivity to light. You cannot stand uh, loud noises. Uh, uh, then following that then you have these uh, cognitive issues I have uh, issues with uh, uh, I can't uh, concentrate Uh, you can't execute instructions Uh, go to uh, if you are a dispatch rider uh, go to office A then go to office B then go to office C then you cannot integrate all this information Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, you feel very low uh, very low level of energy you feel very tired very fatigued Uh, issues with sleep very common either you sleep too much or you don't go to sleep you, you are awake most of the night and this really bothers the family uh, feeling very anxious feeling very nervous I have patients who who uh, uh, do not want to follow their family to to malls to family events to 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 prayer because there are a lot of people that they get very anxious uh, then you also need to watch out for uh, uh, issues with uh, feeling uh, you know very sad. Very depressed, mm. uh, withdrawn. Uh, I have patients who earlier were introverted, now become very extroverted. Uh, they want to be friends with everybody. Uh, or prior to that, were very uh, sociable, now become introverted.
0: So personality changes yeah, are yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. a red flag.
1: And, and and there is recourse to this. So again, I want to take this opportunity here to highlight that. Please don't suffer in silence. Uh, approach, uh, tell the doctor. Uh, and uh, uh, neurosurgeon might not be uh, uh, handle all these uh, neuropsychology issues. You know. We, I, I think we are kind of gatekeepers. So we work in a multidisciplinary team here. Uh, so the neurosurgeon sees, oh, yeah, I've got this issue. So I address this to my psychiatric colleague, my neuropsychologist. Uh, it's, it's a team. Uh, the uh, brain injury team uh, will be uh, it's a team it's not one individual uh, uh, it's not a a one-man show
0: Mm. but uh, when you say there's recourse uh, would it come back to having to undergo surgery to address these issues?
1: Possible. If the, if the brain water is, is obstructed, it can happen because the brain water uh, travels from the ventricles right up to the top part of the brain, the head, and is absorbed into the sinuses. Now, anywhere along that pathway, the, 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 the flow can get uh, obstructed. Uh, Once that happens, water accumulates within the ventricular cavities and then you see uh, uh, the patients uh, changing. Commonly, uh, the family will will observe if there was a craniotomy, meaning where the bone is missing and uh, prior to that, the the brain was sunken. So as the days pass by, you see slowly that area being lifted up, becoming fuller. And if there's accumulation of of water within the ventricular cavity, it starts to bulge and becomes tense. The other person that picks it up is the rehab team. Prior to this, the patient can obey commands. The the, the 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 progress was along the trajectory, expected trajectory, but now you see him starting to fall. The level starting to fall. So that's when they they call 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 us and say, "Hey, look, I'm having this problem. Can you have a look at him?" True enough, and you do a CT scan, you pick up. Mm. Uh, dilated ventricles.
0: I see. Um, then the the roles of the other professionals you mentioned in the multidisciplinary team, including neuropsychiatrist, neurologist, rehab physician, um, how would they uh, go about managing? I'm going to pick up some of the issues you mentioned, like um, cognitive uh, concentration issues, fatigue and mood issues.
1: Yeah, this... Uh, uh again we will we will in, they are they are part of the team there's no prima donors in 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 uh, head injury team so we pick problems we pass them on to our colleagues now that 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 the uh, the issues with the with the uh, anger with depression and all that, that the psychiatrist will have uh, psychiatrist neuropsychologists will handle uh uh uh, we want to make sure that the patient starts to walk again. Uh, 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 that uh, the rehab team, uh, even the diet nutritionist is is very much involved in in this team. You are, you, you have sustained a, a severe head injury and you're uh, you have been lying in bed. You are wasting away. So I, I I need to ensure that you don't go into catabolic phase where your muscles are eaten away and all that. So I the, the nutritionist is also very very important.
0: Mm, yeah, so, and you mentioned that um, you know. Is that the worst case scenario where somebody walks out of, uh, you know, the clinic initially looking, um, quote unquote, normal and only a year later comes back um, because these signs came up? It is one year too late? Um, what What is an optimal window?
1: It, I, I can't quote Optimal windows, it all depends on the amount of brain that's damaged, number one. Number two, and how soon you, you manifest these signs, it's all individual. There's no one one size fits all. What we can do is sensitize everybody from the medical community, right? Until the man in the street, that, that these are the things to watch for. If you encounter this, please come back to us immediately.
0: Do you find that people often miss them? They they dismiss it for something else? They um, sweep it under the carpet?
1: yes. Definitely, this is where you have, you hear sad stories, marital issues, discords, uh, person can't hold one job, one job to another, to another, because your bosses keep telling you, you cannot, uh, you cannot follow my instructions.
0: Yep. Um, we have a question from Tan, who's asking, when do you do a craniotomy and what's the mortality rate? Uh,
1: you do a craniotomy to relieve the, the, the pressure of the brain. Now, let me contrast that with the cranectomy. I, I, I take the opportunity to, to introduce two terms here, craniotomy and cranectomy. Craniotomy is to cut the cranium, the the, the, the skull, and put it back again. Cranectomy is to cut the, the, the skull and take it away and put it away. Why? What's the difference between both these surgeries? Both uh, uh, involve cutting the skull. and One is removing the skull away and... Uh, uh, Allowing the brain to herniate, to 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 bulge out. So that means we are giving the uh, room for the swollen brain, instead of compressing everything within a closed box, which is the skull, uh, allowing it to pop out, allowing allowing it to come out and relieve some amount of pressure uh, within the uh, uh, within the. Um, Uh, Cranium, Mm -hmm. and with regards to the mortality, the lowest mortality should be from the extradural. I'm talking. I I I refer now to the individual pathologies. The the extradural should have the lowest mortality, less than what I I can't recall now. Less than few percent. But the highest percent will be those who sustain the uh, 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 subdurals. Uh, 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 the, the, the bad injuries where the brain is shifted to the right or to the left, and those have the highest mortality.
0: So, when you broach the necessity for um, surgery with the caregivers, it must be a difficult one for the family members to to deal with. Uh, how how do you convince them that this is actually necessary? I
1: mean, there is no other recourse. The family will ask you, this very common question: do, Does he really need the surgery? So the answer is, uh, if you see the brain shifted, the midline shift, we measure the midline shift, and if there is midline shift, uh, then there's no recourse. We don't have any medication that 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 you take. We we can buy time with with, with infusing mannitol. Mannitol is a, a osmotic agent which goes along into the blood vessel and it um for of a wonder better word it sucks the the, the water away mm. uh, and relieves that pressure release like the pressure say. but is that sufficient number one number two does that effect last long enough for you to recover
0: mm.
1: so it, so it, the
0: decision in a way makes itself because of the severity and the the urgency of the need.
1: Number one. Number two, you don't have much time to sit and say, "Mm, um, okay, I'll come back in in one hour, I'll come back in two hours. Here, the decision needs to be fast. Time is brain. The The more time you spend, the less brain is left behind.
0: That's right. The, the damage continues yeah, damage. to yeah, accumulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, many sobering thoughts here, uh, but very important ones. And uh, what I want to explore... Uh, After we come back from the next break is what next? As Dr. Gourmet said earlier, uh, what he's described is very much the care that takes place in the hospital during those acute uh, hours when somebody has come in with a head injury uh, and has undergone surgery. But what happens when the patient is discharged? What do family members need to know about caregiving at home? and perhaps some common mistakes or or challenges that caregivers are facing that um, uh, what are the unmet needs there that we need to address um, quite seriously. We're talking about head injuries today with consultant neurosurgeon Dr. Kumit Singh from Subang Jaya Medical Centre. Stay tuned, we'll be right back here on Health & Living BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik and my guest, consultant neurosurgeon Dr. Gumit Singh from Subang Jaya Medical Centre. We are talking about head injuries, Um, actually among the most common issues that uh, general surgery as well as neurosurgery deals with. um, They're very common in Malaysia due to the high um, incidence of road traffic accidents in Malaysia. And if you've ever been on a Malaysian road, you'd probably be familiar with the risks and the um, catastrophic um, you know, uh, consequences of a road traffic accident. Of course, um, other issues like um, trauma, uh, falls can also um, cause head injuries. And we have a question here from Ng, who's 72, says he hit his head a year ago quite hard nothing long-lasting, and I assume that means symptoms, but now he hears a ringing sound which intensifies when he lifts heavy objects. Ng wants to know why does this persist, and he adds that his balance is otherwise still good. Um, some thoughts, Dr. Gromit?
1: The way uh, the, the question comes, is I, I think probably uh, here the ringing sound is tinnitus and at 72 is expected, but uh, I, the first person I think the, he should consult is the ENT surgeon, and then work our way down from there. Uh, mm. the, let the ENT surgeon uh, 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 rule out tinnitus, and then when uh, probably a neurosurgeon.
0: Okay, keep your questions coming in. We still have some time with Dr. Gourmet. You can call us at zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. So, Dr. Gourmet, a huge part of management after a brain injury also takes place. In fact, it does take place out of the hospital, basically at home when the patient has been discharged. So what sort of care um, do family members or caregivers need to think about providing for the patient after they've been discharged?
1: This transition from hospital to home is the most important. All the effort... uh, Done in the hospital to treat will come to a knot if the level of care at home drops. It's, I'll explain this to the way I explain this to to my patients is you're taking back, uh, especially a, a, a severe head injury, you're taking back a seventy kg baby back home. Uh, uh, not something flippant, but here I want to address that you 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 will be addressing the feeding, the bathing. Uh, the grooming, you're taking care of the bowel and bladder, mm-hmm. uh, uh, everything is under under your mm-hmm. care. Uh, compare that to the mild head injury, or compare that to uh, somebody who has a uh, fractured uh, 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 femur, the thigh bone. So they can walk, they can hobble around on a crutch, they can eat themselves. You just have to cook, put the dish in front of them, and that's it, done. Here, you have to take over everything. Now, with the newborn baby at home you with one hand you can pick the baby up change the sheets change the diapers everything is done uh, here it's impossible to live you need at least two people and there I want to highlight here again uh, the care of uh, 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 head injury patient at home especially the severe ones that, that you come home it's not a solo job uh, it's a combined family job if it's a solo job uh, it's a disaster. because when these patients come back to clinic and you see uh, bed sores, uh, contractures starting to develop, uh, uh, poor hygiene, uh, uh, you know immediately that that it, it, it's not a good news for for this patient. So uh, uh, the family must come together. Here again, very sadly, if there are family issues, uh, again, this will impact on the family. The son is estranged from the family, the father is estranged. Uh, 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 you know, not good relationship, uh, it, it, it's bad news. So,
0: but even in the best case scenario, I would imagine, Dr. Goumik, it places so much strain on family agreed. members. Um, agreed. Uh, like you said, if it's a team, but people have to work, um, caregiving is a full-time job, isn't it?
1: Yes, agreed. 100% agrees. And And y- 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 there must be Uh, The doctors also must highlight to the family. uh, What I do is commonly, uh, once you step down from ICU to HDU, I know that you're going to go back shortly. So I will call the family in and let's uh, start the conversation earlier. The family cannot care when they are in ICU. They come, visit, go back. Why? Because the nurses are there. HDU is a similar scenario, but less intense. You can come a bit longer, you can hang along, you can watch how they feed and all that. Uh, and, and once in the ward, that's where you want to come and learn. Of course, there's attitude also. Some people say, oh, this is a nurse's job. You know, I've heard of that that argument, so this is a nurse's job. But once you take this patient back home, that's when your level of stress is going to go very high if you've never bothered how to change the pampers, how to feed via the Ryles tube, how to uh, 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 clean that patient Uh uh, it, it's to your detriment in the end oh, Sorry, in the end it's the detriment of the patient actually Not yeah. to you
0: But also of course it affects the family The
1: stress level will go up Are There two things you can cope Either no or uh, suffer
0: mm. Are there resources that caregivers can um, reach out to within society That perhaps they may not be aware of?
1: We, we, we don't have, uh, like, like the Stroke Society, they, they, the stroke, uh, they have NASAM and all that, They're very good, strong uh, organizations. But for the head injury patients, we don't have much recourse. Uh, hospitals do have, uh, when I was working in the government hospitals, we have uh, domiciliary care so from from hospital Kuala Lumpur, they used to go I think the limit the radius is about 20 kilometers so they'll come visit you of course not that often but just to give you the confidence and keep an eye on you private hospitals do have uh, teams uh, that come uh, come to your house yeah. and and help you uh, with, assist you with rise to feeding uh, advice and all that
0: yeah and I think that's very important that um, Caregivers still have the support and those connections uh, when they're back home. Um, we may have alarmed some of our listeners, so we have somebody um, messaging in to ask, is it serious if uh, a 68-year-old woman had knocked her head on the upper door of the fridge while trying to get something out of the lower compartment of the fridge?
1: I, I, this is a very good question. This is a geriatric head injury. This is an elderly head injury. question here is... Uh, Two two things we need to uh, uh, to acknowledge first. Number one, as you grow older, the brain shrinks. Once the brain shrinks, there's a lot of room between the brain and the skull. So if there is to be bleed, that bleed will there's room for the bleed to accumulate. Therefore, the patient will not manifest symptoms. It will take time to manifest. So that that patient eats, drinks, goes to sleep, then probably not wake up, uh, or uh, manifest symptoms later. The second thing we need to acknowledge is most of our elderly patients now on blood thinners. So that further exacerbates the situation. Mm. So so it starts to 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 bleed. Uh, small condition in the brain can become larger. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say here is for you, if you think your elderly family member who's on blood thinner uh, is about 70 plus, then I think best you head to a hospital, uh, let the doctors have a look if need be, let us CT scan. If need be, let us observe overnight. I know it's a real hassle to, to you know, to, to, to go to hospital. You have to wait there, spend hours. But I think for peace of mind, uh, it's uh, worth uh, worthwhile investment.
0: Mm. So it's not overreacting, uh, even if it's something that seems like a simple bump on the head.
1: Uh, especially in the elderly, plus those on blood thinners. I am cautious. I I I, I don't want to give people uh, uh, false sense of security and say no, don't worry, nothing much. Uh, of, of course, if you if you, if you think you're staying very far away or. I don't know how many people stay far away from big, big I hospital. think for
0: most of our listeners <laughs> um, access to healthcare is yeah, it's there is, yeah. so
1: so uh, either you up your game and be very very observant uh, uh, see what's going on but then who's going to observe her when that, that elderly patient goes to sleep and then uh, for the next you know, go to bed at 10 and then overnight in the hospital at least somebody will come look at you and observe you ask you question, ask you how are you how are you Score you. That's where the Glasgow Coma uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Score comes in. Mm,
0: All right, very very important advice there, especially for older adults, the elderly, and those on blood thinning medications. Um, Let's sort of try to bring things full circle. We talked about the neurosurgeon being the gatekeeper um, and addressing that acute stage of the head injury. So you know, um, assuming. the surgery or the care treatment that was needed um, has been carried out the step down and the transition back home is ongoing what do you tell patients about recovery how, um, how long would they take to fu- fully recover what can they expect
1: this again individualized each individual uh, has a different pace uh, and it is in Proportionate to the amount of effort you put in, you have a golden period of about six months. First six months, first six to one month, uh, one year. The more intense effort, the more faster the trajectory of recovery, the gradient of recovery. So, commonly it's said beyond two years, then the you reach a you reach a plateau. There's that not nothing much. I don't I I don't much subscribe to that. There's always time for rehab. But in the Malaysian environment, sometimes the patient is left to his own. By the time you come to us, you have developed contractures, you, you have lost your muscle mass, you, you got bed sores, then in that game, you probably have lost that game already. So we, we, we want you to be, take advantage of the first uh, few, few months, uh, especially the first three to six months, uh try to grab that and, 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 and hasten your recovery.
0: Mm, so that care um and the rehab uh, and all the support necessary is very, very important. Extremely. A final message? Um perhaps you'd like to talk about prevention as well, Dr. Gourmett, in a final wrap-up message? The
1: prevention, I think the government is doing enough. <laughs> we have enough rules. It's the following the rules that we we probably lack there. Uh uh, the the the, uh, the other thing, like I said, people with mild head injury, uh, you have many. If you have these symptoms, you manifest these symptoms. Your family members, your bosses pick this up. You know, you cannot ob- you cannot recall, you cannot uh, follow instructions. Then I I suggest you 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 come back to the hospital and 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 highlight this to your doctor, and uh, so that we can commence treatment uh, as soon as possible. So the most important thing here is you don't suffer.
0: Don't suffer in silence.
1: Suffer in silence.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Groomit. I've been speaking to Dr. Kumit Singh, consultant neurosurgeon from Subang Jaya Medical Centre about head injuries. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.